So welcome back to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. Today we have Brad Beer and we'll get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So welcome back. Brad, I am so happy to have you on the podcast. It has been uh, I've I've been I've had your book on my bookshelf now for the past couple of months ever since you sent it to me when I was running the the ketogenic marathon. But first of all, how are you going today? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to to jump on, and uh, all's well. All is well. I love that. So, so for a lot of people listening, um, uh, you, I think you might be the second Australian that I actually have on this podcast. Even though I'm so many episodes deep, uh, there's <laughs> I haven't interviewed that many Australians. So, so welcome to the team. I think it's a, it's a great place <laughs> to be here. And for anyone who's listening from the states or Canada, hello. And uh, and you know, first of all, let's let's start off with uh, you know the icebreaker question. I love. You're starting these podcasts out with something that maybe people don't know about you, um, and you mentioned that uh, you had a little bit of a break before jumping back into a triathlon, um, and the and the race was interesting. Can you sort of let us know how that race went? Oh, thanks, Aaron. It was uh, it was just a fun uh, fun memory now, but at the time it was a uh, well, I was very frustrated. But I had had twelve years out of triathlon uh, after pursuing it fairly doggedly as a junior hoping for a professional career and uh had 12 years out to you know go to physio school and start a practice and return as an age group and my first race back that was a, a proper race was a Geelong race uh, down in Victoria in Australia and um, it was an Olympic distance race and it was the first of the qualification races for the uh the 2012 uh Australian team uh which I had no idea if I'd be uh, uh even in contention to qualify for in the 30 to 34 age group. I just knew that I had a little bit of talent as a junior. So uh, the race didn't go quite so smoothly. I put my thumb through my brand new wetsuit on the start line and, and then that filled up with water. I couldn't get my zip undone in transition, so I had to get one of the, the marshals to help me, which I think is actually uh, disqualification. Oh. Uh, I got on the bike and uh, made a rookie error too hard on a corner. And I fell and I didn't realize at the time, but it actually had fractured my uh, my pubic remus of my pelvis and I was more worried 20Ks from home about staying in contention in the race. I was in a good position so I pushed on with a a bike that wasn't running very smoothly and was a bit bent up and got onto the run just furious with myself for falling off and uh, I ran hard, didn't have a watch on, I wasn't into wearing watches at that point and 
and uh, ran, incidentally, a 12.5K, 10K run loop because I went the wrong way on the run. So there was a half Ironman race on as well as the Olympic distance. So I uh, went onto the wrong course. Couldn't figure out that night why my run split was about eight minutes or whatever it was slower than I thought it should have been. And uh, and then I realized what had happened and got home and... Couldn't run and uh, had an MRI thinking I had a labral upset in my hip, but it was actually a fractured pelvis. So uh, that was a, a welcome back to triathlon. Oh, man. I, I cannot even imagine running 12.5Ks in the wrong direction with a fractured pelvis. That would have just been a whole world of pain. And, and uh, Matt Fitzgerald would, would have been proud of you with the how bad do you want it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, uh, I recognize now as someone that's naturally quite prone towards being anxious in life that uh, I've always enjoyed that hard physical pursuit because that's somewhat of my I think my medication in life is <laughs> hard exercise is my sedative so I've always never shied from uh, pain physical pain <laughs> <laughs> look I mean like uh, I I always like to think that I do uh, enjoy hard things in life and it sounds like you do as well. So uh, I'm sure this is going to be an interesting podcast, uh, which is fantastic for all of those people who not only love running, but are also on the fence and and not sure whether they, maybe they have had a little bit of experience with running and they just hated it. Um, And so we're going to dive into some of the details and, 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 you know, get those people running, which is fantastic and running such a great sport anyway. So, um, you know, it's so you're the author of You Can Run Pain-Free, a physio's five-step guide to enjoying injury-free and faster running. But that that wasn't where you started. Can you let us know, like, um, you know, your story, where you got involved in triathlons, where you got involved in running and all, all sorts of endurance-style sports and, um, you know, sort of what you're doing right now with Pogo? Thanks, Aaron. Uh I guess I quickly realized I had a love affair with all things endurance sports in the 90s when as a teenager here in Australia, I was captivated by what was a domestic televised triathlon series, which was really years ahead of its time. Uh, I'm now involved in the Super League triathlon series doing physiotherapy work, and this is years later, but, you know, prior to... (laughs) Prior to the Super League uh, in the modern era, there was the Tui's Blue or Accenture Series, St. George Series, had a few sponsors, naming sponsors in Australia. And there was one athlete that uh, I sat and watched uh, intently, and that was Brad Bevan. And Brad uh, was called the Croc, nicknamed the Croc. He used to swim in a famed story of crocodile-infested creek up in Mirrawinnie in North Queensland. And (laughs) and he would pretty much just dominate that series and – uh, I was just hooked, and so I started swimming and went to swim training, and started uh, got a bike, and uh, and you know obviously we had been running right through with cross country and that, but uh, yeah, so thankfully my my newfound love for for endurance sport, in particular triathlon, was was backed by a little bit of talent as a junior, and you know I had some early success in different different races, and uh, you know really that's where that's all I dreamed of doing. Uh, Spent a lot of time, Aaron, at the physio uh, myself for a variety of injuries mm-hmm. that I incurred going through that heavy training in my my growth phase. And uh, my physio, Suzanne, once said, uh, you would make a great physio, Brad. And I remember thinking, all right, uh, I like what you do, Suzanne. I'll park that thought. And uh, if I ever need it, if my triathlon career doesn't go as I hope it will, then uh, I'll come back to that. And that's exactly what I did when... Uh, at 19, I had a big bike crash with a brain hemorrhage and multiple fractures and cartilage, probably in my knee. I didn't know about it at the time, but it incidentally 
did end up going into the, the physiotherapy uh, world rather than the professional triathlon world. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how you can turn something um, as a perceived failure now into such a success. And uh, and you know from from what you're doing as a as a physio and you're out there helping all of these elite athletes, um, it, it's you have a unique advantage because you know what it's like to be out there. And, uh, and, you know, I was doing some research just before we got on the podcast and I, I managed to track down one of your park run splits. And I think it was like, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it was somewhere in the 15 to 16 minute mark. Yeah, that's, that's right. It would have been 1530 odd, I think on a, on our local park run course. But, um, you know, I, I can now see as a 13 year uh, career, my physiotherapy career, Aaron's been going for 13 years, and I can now see the benefit of what you just pointed to, and that is, you know, I always say as a physio, we people think we treat their pain, and of course we help them with the pain of their injury, but we're really mainly treating their frustrations with being sidelined, their fears of will I ever be able to get back to doing things that I love fully. And their anxieties, you know, which we live with day to day, particularly people that like to get out there and exercise a lot, often like I've discovered, I realise that's my sedative in life. So, um, you know, being grounded through years of physio myself and the the heartbreak of injuries uh, has really given me a a great perspective. And I think uh, that's probably one of the things that uh, has helped me in my professional life is you just get it and you can't get it for everything because, you know, but I, I get endurance sport and I get running and I, you know, I get those things. So yeah, to find myself doing what I'm doing now is really my dream drop, my dream job aside from my first dream job, which was uh, pro triathlon. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's really interesting as a physio uh, to, you know, to look over all of these different injuries and, and whatnot. And I'm sure you've seen some, some pretty crazy injuries over your, uh, over your experience, but what was it that made you uh, really want to dig into running in particular? Because you were doing triathlons, which is, you know, obviously biking and swimming as well. Um, is, is running something that you really specialize in and, and running and, 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 you know, what made that decision for you? Aaron, great question. It was around 2015 and, uh, I felt the, the impetus to, to capture some of what I was doing in the consult room into a, a book that people could get their hands on anywhere uh, rather than just if they were in the consulting room with myself as a patient or a client. So uh, at that point, I was certainly seeing you know a lot of triathletes, a lot of uh, runners, surf lifesavers, uh, swimmers. You know, it was all of that endurance slash you know, uh, solo pursuit type sport. I wasn't, I'd spent time in AFL clubs and things, but sporting teams wasn't really my environment. Uh, and so uh, at that point it was, the impetus to write the book was I was just really frustrated uh, with the mindset that tended to pervade all runners, that injury was inevitable and that uh, it really wasn't possible to run without injury. And uh, whilst there's a lot of truth in that, because, uh, you know, the nature of the beast is that runners will push harder than their body allows and injuries happen. So there's no no such thing as uh, injury proof in your body for life with running. But I was frustrated that uh, a lot of runners felt that because they were injured, it disqualified them from uh, ever enjoying injury-free running over the long term. And I wanted to really articulate and put something together that was a hopefully a fairly simple guide to a few key concepts that I knew when applied could take an injured runner 
back to that injury-free state. Yeah, and and you know what? They're, they're, I've had so many guests on the podcast so far, and I always ask them, you know, what's your favorite exercise? What's your least favorite exercise? And more often than not, the least favorite exercise comes up as running. And um, I think today, hopefully, we can try and rectify some of that for some people. Um, what what is the main cause of discomfort for for runners when they're first starting out? I think the main cause of discomfort initially depends on where they're starting from, Aaron, but is is the aerobic deficit. You know, mm. uh, the, the fitness base often, often isn't there and the thought of even going for a 10-minute continuous run or a 15-minute or 5-minute continuous run can overwhelm many people. And so I think that the biggest challenge initially is uh, understanding that that aerobic capacity will take time to develop and not being shy off, you know not being afraid to uh to back up and go again off the back of the initial discomfort so it's normally that aerobic <laughs> deficit that's the first key problem runners experience or new runners i should say right yeah okay so so yeah i mean uh, for, for a lot of people um you know they may have been doing a lot of work in the gym and so they've they've got some strength but yeah again like the aerobic engine is a whole nother thing and it's something that you really just need to um you build on uh, uh, you know doing doing whether that's like running at maffetone pace or whether that's just running with a club or being really inspired with other people but then again like I have a whole bunch of people listening to this podcast who are really keen runners. Um, and there are some points at some people's career where even when they enjoy running so much, they just cannot run because of injury, because of something that they've done. Um, and and what is some of the main causes of uh, injury that, that prevents runners who really enjoy running from going out there and enjoying the trails or enjoying the road or enjoying you know running with a group like that? Yeah, for the, the keen runners, I mean, so these are runners that have progressed from those initial uh, onboarding of their running through to regular running and, and in loving it, which I often joke when someone says they want to start running or triathlon, I say it should come with a warning label on the race entry. It will cause addiction. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so let's assume that someone's made that jump. Uh, then, you know, injury can be devastating because you take away a lot of people's coping mechanisms in life. And so, uh, so the, the key drivers at that stage for a runner tend to be just uh, getting, I mean, we outline it with the five steps, but as a concept, I think it's easy to think about it as a, as a seesaw. And on one side of the seesaw, you've got training, which is the loading that your body will experience. And then on the other side of the seesaw, you've got capacity to deal with that load. So mm -hmm. one side, loading, the other side, your body's capacity to deal with that load. Now, what tends to happen is with overzealousness, uh, we want to go harder, we want to go faster, we want to you know, push longer, we tend to up the loading side but not conventionally keep pace with the body's capacity to deal with those loads. So mm. these overuse injuries creep in and whether that's you know, plantar fasciitis or fasciopathy of the foot, Achilles tendinopathy, you know, shin splints, or tibial stress, patellofemoral pain, you know, hamstring tendon troubles, ITB troubles, whatever that overuse running injury may present as, its common cause is you look at the load and it's exceeded the body's capacity to deal with it. So rehabilitation's all based around that concept of getting that seesaw balanced. 
Mm, yeah, that's it's a really interesting concept, you know, because uh, a lot of people when they when they are training for an event, maybe it's the Gold Coast Marathon or it's you know one of those big events that you're running for, and it's a big goal of yours is to you know back it up 16 weeks and then start running, and so most training styles or techniques or plans that you follow will generally start out maybe 15 Ks and then move up to 20, 25, depending on your skill level all the way through to, you know, running 170, like some of the, the Kenyans do that, that race the marathons. Um, and so there's, there's this vast difference between going from basically sedentary and running a marathon and usually for most people, that's like 16 to 12 weeks. But I know that, um, you know, tendon, uh, tendon strength and, uh, you know, all of the, the mechanics in your body often take a lot longer than just that 16 weeks to actually develop. Um, and so how can people sort of go through and train for a marathon or a half marathon, or even if it's your local 5K and you're trying to really push that pace, how can people train and and stay injury-free um, whilst also building that load up uh, relatively fast? Yeah, it's it, they're almost mutually exclusive because that's the trap we want to you know, often people will enter an event and then they'll reverse engineer and say, right, I've got the marathon coming up in 12 weeks uh, or in 16 weeks or 20 or 10 uh, or the half marathon. Mm. uh, And therefore I'm going to now build my preparation to that. The challenge with that is you get this gap where, you know, you've heard that you want to do these long runs in marathon training Mm. and you start to panic when you're six weeks out and you realize you haven't done your three hour runs. So what, what do you do? You go from two hours to three hours. Now, that's what we call a sudden spike in your loading, a spike in your training loads. And what tends to happen is you won't get injured that first week, but after these sudden spikes, it's normally about the third week that an overuse injury presents, and that's going to happen somewhere, basically the weakest link in the in the kinetic chain of your running body. And so, you know, to stay injury-free, the key thing there is uh, avoid those sudden spikes in training, spikes in load. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really handy tip. And if you are, um, you know, if you're pretty crunched for time, uh, don't don't skip on those long runs. It's like if you know, for all those people who are going to the gym, don't skip skip leg day. It's like yeah. <laughs> those long runs are really really important to build up your base and also to adapt your body to those to those loads. And as you were saying, like you don't want those big spikes in loads because you know, going from two hours to three hours, you're essentially adding 33% yeah. on on top of, you know, already a long run. Um, and so when I was going through my training, I, I worked off the 10% rule. You shouldn't really be going much harder than that. Is there any sort of rule that you try and, um, you know, inform the people that come into Pogo Physio and, and are wondering how much do I, if you're not training, if you're not following a training plan or you don't have a coach or something, um, you know, how to increase that load safely? Yeah, it's good. The the 10% rule does hold water. It's it's a good, simple principle that, you know, can keep people out of trouble. So that's just making sure your overall uh, loads for the week don't increase by more than 10%. And most most people, Aaron, will, runners will just recognize their load as their distance run or their time run. So, you know, this week I did, you know, 30 miles or I did 50 kilometers or whatever it might be. But when we do quantify our loads that way, we forget about the intensity. And so increased intensity increases loading. So without getting 
too complex. Uh, if we talk about the 10% rule, it should really apply to the intensity of this session plus the duration. Mm. And we use a little calculator if we're trying to really get it right and help people stay out of trouble called the acute on chronic workload ratio. And sounds fancy. It's not. It's just a basic spreadsheet that gives you a bit of an idea on whether you're, um, you're going to run into trouble or not. So that's a, a very good rule, the 10% rule. And, uh, and then just ensuring that you know, uh, those increases don't happen along the way and you don't panic. And I always say you're better to, like people have my full support to take on events and, and challenges. It's important. We all recognize that. But don't cram your training. Uh, you know, mm. make sure you just build. And if it means that you only get up to a 24K, not only, as in that's, that's poor, but if you, if you get to a 24-kilometer run before a marathon – then you're just going to have to try and get through with the back end as best you can. You're better off to do that, but get to the start line uninjured than mm. uh, cram that training because you're, you're running uh, short on time and end up not even on the start line, of which 33% of runners on the start line of any major race in the world tend to be carrying an overuse injury on the start line. Oh, that's that's incredible. 33%. I'm pretty sure I read that in the book somewhere. Um, yep. and, I, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I've seen you down, uh, I've seen you down at the uh, Gold Coast Marathon with the, all the physio and the tent set up and, you know, you're working with the athletes. Do you ever get people that come in before the race and say, hey, look, I need, I need a bit of a tune up before this race actually comes or is the most of the work done with the massages and all that sort of stuff at the end? Oh, look, there's uh, around marathon time, whether it's the Gold Coast Marathon here in Australia or, you know, anywhere, any marathon, even leading up to the world majors, you'll have patients and clients taking those on. And yeah, the work really goes from the, the moment someone puts their head down to uh, start a prep right through. And whether that's <laughs> yeah. because of an injury that's crept up along the way or whether that's with, as you say, sort of tune-ups, keeping an eye on their, you know, their, uh, their overall body's health. So yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a great uh, it's a great journey and uh, one that I never tire from seeing people achieve their goals around. Uh, it's really good to hear. Um, and I have another question. So so if, you know for those those runners aside, uh, let's move to you now because I know that uh, you've had a fantastic uh, career in doing um, you know physiotherapy and you've uh, created Pogo and there's a whole bunch of you know now you've got a big team and a community around you, but you've also got your own podcast and. You've been interviewing athletes who, you know, have done some incredible things. And what have you learned from, you know, when you first started being a physiotherapist right up until now from interviewing those elite athletes and having that community around you? So the learnings through the podcast, and uh, I mean, the podcast is about two and a half years young. I think this week goes to episode 130. It's a weekly show and really was born out of the great conversations I get to have in the treatment room over the years with some incredible people. And these aren't just Olympic champions. Like, yes, we've featured a few of those, but these can be people that have overcome great obstacles, uh, inspiring uh, performances, pursuits. I thought this would be great to share on a wider audience. And so that was the, the genesis of the podcast. But the key learnings, Aaron, to answer your question would be really it just solidifies a lot of the underpinnings that I already had around pursuing people's best. And once again, that doesn't have to be Olympic gold. That can be you getting out there running a park run. That can be you doing two CrossFit sessions a week rather than one. You know, there's so it can be you picking up the kids at the beach without pain. Like whatever your physical best looks like, there's a few principles that I, I've found through the 130 interviews 
really hold true. And, you know, one is this the power of showing up, like just being consistent, Aaron, whatever mm. it is. And I, oh gosh, after 12 years in the physio consulting room and thousands of clients later, uh, it still amazes me that people will arrive and apologize that they haven't gotten their programming done as much as they wanted in the background. And it amuses me, not because I don't understand their sentiment, but it amuses me because at no point have I said, now, Aaron, if you don't come in and you haven't done your exercises five times this next week, then you're failing the process. (laughs) Yet we all tend to approach these things in life, whether it's our nutrition or our sleep or our, you know, our work life or whatever it is, or our training with this sense of it's got to be perfect or it doesn't count. And so I'm coaching people regularly about the power of being consistent. So it's, hey, Aaron, look, life's going to happen around you. It's going to happen. So do not set yourself the expectation you're going to get this done every day. Just try and get to it as much as you can to get momentum, but don't panic if the wheels fall off the bus. And I think when you give people permission to have that grace-based approach rather than that rigid striving to be perfect and execute well, I think you set the whole process up really well from the start. And that's come through from most of the guests is that, look, their key tips are things like just show up, be consistent. Uh, Every day is a building block over years. There's no overnight success. Yeah, I would totally agree with that one. And that's something that, uh, you know, me myself have have struggled with as well, is that building that, and you touched on a a word, a key word, momentum there. And I think that's really important because those uh, being consistent at the start can feel like a jail sentence. And as you said before, you know, uh, you know that you've got a busy life or you've got a busy schedule and you, uh, you sometimes you just can't get those things in. Um, and I, I, for me, I always have this philosophy, like it's okay to miss one, but don't ever miss the second one because that's when you, you break the momentum. And that's where I think, um, sometimes that, uh, it, it, it can all fall away. Um, with people, whether it's you know going out there running, whether it's building a business, whether it's creating a community around a podcast, whether that's you know creating a community around a physical uh, place that you work, what do you think that um, consistency and how do you build consistency uh, even when something maybe feels like you're going in the wrong direction? How do you build consistency even when you feel like you're going in the wrong direction? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, sometimes you can feel like you're just hitting yourself against a brick wall and you're not moving past it. So maybe for people who are looking to lose some weight, they've been doing the ketogenic diet or they've been doing some sort of nutrition that they're going through and they've they've just hit this plateau and they're doing all the right things, but it's just not moving the needle. What motivation would you give those people to, um, you know, stay consistent and and really build that momentum because it's all going to come just after the next hill, you know? Yeah. I mean, those plateaus happen in everything, don't they? Whether it's a physical rehabilitation or it's a, you know, a change in nutrition and, and diet, body weight loss, whatever it might be. And so I think the plateau moments can reflect, can represent a few different things. And, you know, one is that the approach might need to change, uh, the prescription, you know, if it's physical rehabilitation, all right, we need to go up in loading now because that load isn't serving you anymore. Um, so it may actually mean that people aren't doing the best things at that, that moment. They need to ch- change their approach. But assuming that they are, then uh, I think it's 
it's just once again having that grace-based approach to our lives where it's it's like not striving in, in works and effort and I'm going to do this and it's all about my efforts because we just don't have that capacity in us to will ourselves to do that ongoing over a long term. It's, mm-hmm. it's more being realistic and going, all right, uh, let's look at – I coach people about this with their physical rehabilitation when they've hit a plateau. Look at what you've achieved so far. Let's take a moment to celebrate that. You have achieved a lot, and we use different tracking measures, Aaron, for physical rehabilitation where it's objectified, so it scores. It's not emotion-based. It's literal numbers on a page. So when you're having a down week, you feel like you haven't moved ahead as much as you wanted, let's have a look at how far you've come from. And I think just that reflection can give you that confidence uh, reinstilled to then go, right, the next bit of the journey is worth pursuing. I've just got to get past this this plateau. So I think reflecting on how much you have achieved and not focusing on how much is to go is incredibly powerful. Yeah, you know, you, you touch on a really interesting topic there because I remember listening to the episode of your podcast where you were interviewing uh, Gwen Jorgensen, the, I think she's she's Canadian, right? Is that right? Uh, US American. US don't, American. Ooh, uh, don't get yeah. that mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone who's listening. To this All right. Anyway, so she um, she was going through and she was, you know, describing her training methods and, um, you know, she was going through and saying, okay, well, this is what happened this week and really looking back on it, but not looking back on the negatives, trying to think about all the positive things, um, even if the experience was negative. So I remember she was saying that, you know, she might have gone out for a run. She wasn't hitting the splits that she was wanting to. Um, and she came back and she's like, well, at least I stuck with it. At least I gave it my all. Um, and that's all you can do. And I think that's you know, being able to look back on whether that's training for a marathon or half marathon or training for swimming or training for a triathlon or whatever it is, having that reflective process inside of your training is is so important. And and I guess that's exactly the same when you're trying to rehabilitate from from an injury as well. Um, you know, what what are some of the common things that people struggle with when they they have their foot strapped up in a moon boot or um, you know they might not be able to run for for the next six six weeks? How do you um, you know inspire those people to to still st- stick with it, but but also to to realize that you just need to rest something like that? Yeah, it's there's a few. It, it almost transcends the physical, and it becomes a uh, you know a coaching role largely in in physical rehabilitation. But uh, I like you know what you brought up there, Aaron, about the Gwen Jorgensen episode, and and you know I remember that that was her diary of just noting down three wins for the day from that session, and so much power in that. And I think something popped to mind, and that was I remember hearing. I think this is beautiful, but experience is a good teacher, but evaluated experience is a better teacher. So mm. it's, it's it's challenging because we're all running full lives, and you know the days blur. But if you can take that moment, it certainly does help to realign your focus and lift your confidence. I think in many occasions, particularly at those plateaus. But to answer that question, Aaron, about uh, how to how do people get through those struggles uh when they're in a boot or they're immobilized or incapacitated for whatever reason i think it's just communication uh that brings people back to where they're up to on the journey so we always say around here at pogo physio that everyone deserves a completion of their rehabilitation and so that's we call it a high five moment and we term it the physio finish line hey aaron we love you we don't come back for that you're done you've completed your rehabilitation (laughs) 
we don't want you here any more than you need to be here and we don't want you here any less. We just want to make sure that you get that journey done. You get back to your physical best, whatever that means to you. And so uh, when people are down and, you know, flat and sidelined, then uh, having a therapist or having people in your world that you can honestly share with around how you're going, and I'm not talking about the physical pain because people are strong. We can put up with a fair degree of pain, and I often remind people of that. But what people struggle with is, once again, those frustrations, those fears, and those anxieties. So one of the best questions I believe therapists can ask people, and this can transcend the physiotherapy or physical therapy world, but is, uh, how is this making you feel? Mm. And the therapist just needs to zip their lips and listen. And often what follows is tears and a description of the fact that they're feeling quite, you know, quite flat in life. And for men, for blokes, when they're physically not at their best, there's part of them when they're not able to get out there and output that, that uh, in particular, it doesn't discount that females have the same emotions, but I've found, and I know where I was at 19, I, you know, I was borderline suicidal when I couldn't do my junior triathlon. Um, that was my identity. And when you take that a part of a man's identity away, their physicality, you know, depression, whether it's clinical or it's just yet to be diagnosed, can often kick in and all sorts of biopsychosocial disorders. So that question is really important. How is this making you feel? Yeah, I really like the analogy um, that you put forward with the pogo finish line. <laughs> and, um, you know, that uh, some people might have this stigma that, you know, you, you have to go back to a physio a million times and whatever it is. And it's like, no, that's, you need to go back just the right amount, but not too much. And, uh, and you know, we don't want to see you here with that same injury. And <laughs> I love that. It's, it's fantastic. And it's the power of a vision as well. You know, you're in a process, you're in a journey, whether that's your nutrition or whether that's Aaron, your physical rehab. And you need to know that there's an end to it because without vision, it's an old, you know, beautiful uh, scripture, but people perish. Everyone needs to know where they're going and why. And so if you don't have that at the start, then you're doomed. So it's those, the good old why that will pull you through the tough times. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, you sort of touched on something that I'm going to go over a little bit there uh, that was nutrition. So can you tell us a little bit about your nutrition and maybe the journey that you've recently been on as well? Yeah, nutrition sits outside of my scope of practice, but it's something that I recognize as having Aaron, a big part of uh, fueling a big part of people's performance, obviously, but also their physical rehabilitation. So uh I myself have discovered the benefits of a you know low carb, high fat lifestyle of eating, and so uh, in the last period where I've lost about two or three kilos uh, just simply through a few key little changes, such as reduce just being aware of my choices around sugary foods, and also uh, I've never had a huge carb intake in recent years, but I certainly did when I was a junior triathlete. I used to live for the the uh, the bakery treats during and after long rides and the, the snakes and the sugar, that's part of my love for training. So I think it's a big area that, uh, you know, particularly a big area in rehabilitation but also a big area in performance. And it's so great and through avenues like your show to see people becoming aware of, uh, of some of the perils of carbohydrates. That's not to say that they need to be thrown off the face of the earth, but uh, I think it's, uh, it's important for people to be aware of, of, uh, of this this sort of uh, concept that uh, fats aren't the demons. 
I definitely agree. And I think it's something that people often misconceive that, you know, you always need those carbohydrates for high performance activity and you need as many carbohydrates as possible but in fact we've seen that you know a a low carbohydrate diet can um, be really effective and uh, that's great that you've seen a little bit of weight loss there on the side which is fantastic and so you know i this has been really informative i have i have so many notes already (laughs) and um you know i love doing podcasts with with uh you know people like you who are just so knowledgeable in that particular field but I do have a like a rapid fire question sequence um, that I'd I'd love to get your thoughts on. And uh, the 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 first question is: What is your favorite meal? Whether that's you know pre race, whether that's just being at home on a Sunday, is there any particular food that you just couldn't live without? Yeah, I'd say uh, uh, eggs. eggs. Eggs are a good way to start the day. <laughs> that's exactly how I start my day pretty much every single day. I like that answer. That is fantastic. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, what is what is something that you would rather do without for the rest of your life? Is there any particular food that you just don't enjoy at all? Yeah, I was Funny, I was riding my bike this morning and I was thinking about uh, I was last year diagnosed with a bit of lower bone mineral density and it took me quite by surprise and so – uh, you know, I've always been dairy averse, can't stand the smell, can't still stand the taste. And I was actually thinking, hey, uh, what would it be like if I forced myself to eat those foods, cheese and things like that? And I thought about it for about 10 seconds and then I had to get out of there because it was too painful. <laughs> so uh, so I, I think I'm dairy intolerant for sure, lactose intolerant. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my answer there. Anything in that realm. Well, I mean, at least you know it. I think there's a lot of people who go through their life and they're not really sure whether they're lactose intolerant or they, they might just pretend that they're not so that they can eat ice cream or something. Always <laughs> 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 comes back to bite them. Um, is there a... You know, out of the exercises that you do, I know you're, um, you know, triathlon based and, and running and, and whatnot, but is there a particular exercise that you could not live without? <clears throat> and do you mean a physiotherapy rehabilitation exercise or more actual an exercise modality? Hmm. Let's do both. I think both is a, is a good answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say running. I can't do without running. And incidentally, <laughs> I'm on an 18-month odyssey of patellofemoral pain post-surgery, which oh, no. is really grounding me back uh, in the empathetic side of, uh, of life for people that have persistent injuries. So I'm working through that uh, and not able to run much at the moment. So that, that, that is a struggle in itself. But So that would be my answer there. The, the rehabilitation side, I mean, I uh, there's so many great exercises, but one in particular that I think can just help uh, anyone tuning in, and that's the Bulgarian split squats. And I joke, you don't have to be from Bulgaria to do them, but um, you know, it's a simple split squat with your foot up on a chair or a bench behind you, Aaron, and you're just controlling your descent down and then your ascent back up, e.g. three seconds up and down. And the beauty of that is it, it, it really helps people with tight hip flexors and quads, and that's mm-hmm. a key driver for a lot of lower back pain and further up the body postural straining with necks and so uh that done half a dozen times slowly each side a couple of sets uh helps to strengthen the legs and also uh keep the the front of the pelvis from getting too tight which can avoid a lot of uh lower back related problems 
Yeah, and I think that is such an important thing for a lot of people who sit at desks a lot of their day. Um, those hip flexors can get super tight. And so being able to, um, you know, mitigate some of that damage simply by doing the Bulgarian split squats. Uh, now, I've also seen people doing that weighted as well. Is that something that you can add weights to? Absolutely. You can pop dumbbells in your hands either side. You can even try an overhead dumbbell version uh, with the, the dumbbell on the same side that you have your leg back on the chair. So, yeah, there's lots of different variations, but, um, yeah, I have a little bit of a love affair with that exercise at the moment. Yeah, interesting. I uh, might have to incorporate that into my regime as well. And, uh, <laughs> you know, on the flip side of that, is there any particular exercise that you could probably live with, uh, live without? And then uh, in terms of the, the physiotherapy side, uh, what, what are some exercises that some people are given that potentially may not be benefiting, uh, be, like benefiting their recovery? Yeah, living without exercise, I mean, uh, because of my history with my patellofemoral joints or my kneecaps, I've never loved jumping off boxes and that sort of thing. So uh, I can, my body can happily live without that. In saying that, though, it's important to jump off things and land heavily for the health of our bones, <laughs> literally for our bone mineral density. So, uh, so that's that's important. But that would be my answer there. And and then in the rehabilitation space. You know, it's a, it's a good question, but it's so individualized. Someone might get a benefit from an exercise and the next person might not. So it's really been able to factor in people's needs and their unique uh, backgrounds and their starting points uh, for prescribing the right exercise. And, and it is an art form as well as it is a science. So can't probably give you any specific exercise other than to say and encourage people if they are going through rehabilitation, then, um, you know, uh, don't be afraid to ask your practitioner why you're being given an exercise and what it's meant to achieve. Hopefully they'll inform you of that anyway, but don't blindly follow. Do ask and understand the why behind the what once again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting, uh, you know, question too, is that, you know, you need to be questioning those types of exercises, which is, which is fantastic. Um, now, do you have any books or videos that have recently inspired you? Oh, such a good question. Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, uh, I get inspired by people pursuing their best, and that was, I guess, some of the underpinnings for the podcast. But, you know, like the, the Breaking 2 project from Nike, I just loved Everything about that, it brought the best together and there's a great little YouTube video for anyone that hasn't seen it, just type in Breaking 2 Project. It was Nike's ambitious plan to try and break the impossible two-hour barrier for the marathon and Elliot Kipchoge, who recently just set the world marathon record in you know, in uh, Berlin, just ran a 2.01.38, I think it was. Mm. He ran two hours and 25 seconds in artificial conditions and it was history in the making, but I just love anything, Aaron, that encaptures people rocking up to give their best and whether that's running which i know well and love or a triathlon or anything uh, it can be someone playing the you know playing the violin that's world class i just it just captivates me so there's my viewing interests aaron uh my reading interests are many and mixed and i mean at the moment i have probably seven books on the go and i think that's just part of my default wiring with my <laughs> attention span yeah. but uh it's also just that voracious consumption of anything that's interesting or or helpful. So, you know, there's – I have a book called uh, uh, 
Never Split the Difference, which is by Chris Voss. And Chris is a former FBI negotiator, hostage negotiator. And the book's about negotiation. And I'm not reading that because I'm looking to go and buy 10 properties. I'm (laughs) interested in improving my communication abilities because uh, every day I negotiate with patients around Mm. their outcomes. And so it's better communicating. So I'm reading that. There's also... uh, uh, a few uh, sports-related books like Racing Weight by Matt Fitzgerald, which I've got there. Uh, and, you know, there's there's literally a pile of six sitting there at the moment. I actually got up this morning and thought, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, so so you're definitely a physical book kind of guy or would you listen to audio books if, if given the chance? I've done a few audio books often when it's preparing and cramp cramming for a uh, a guest that i might be interviewing so yeah. i did listen to matt fitzgerald's no sorry uh alex hutchinson's Endure book oh, which yeah. is about exploring potential on three speed and i mentioned that to alex i said i just listened to your book in three speed and it's <laughs> <laughs> rattling around in my head so yeah I, I tend to gravitate to the physical book i'm a tactile learner and i need something like that uh i can't do ebooks and uh, audio, I'm very keen on, but I'm typically devouring podcasts. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. And uh, man, listening to an audio book on three speed, I thought two speed was fast. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Cram whatever you can. Um, so I was a musician for a long time, a big part of my life. And so I really love hearing people's music choice, you know, some of the classics that they always go back to and something that, you know, maybe they've been listening to recently. Is there anything that you listen to in particular or is there any sort of playlist or, what, what, you know, what's your sort of go-to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I in my junior triathlon years, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, you know, anytime that pops up, I'm always happy. I just love music. My daughters, if it could be the Moana soundtrack, driving them to kindergarten (laughs) or uh you know i have a faith so i really enjoy the bethel uh music uh it's a music label out of uh california there and so i I love anything that bethel puts out so yeah i'm nothing better than uh, getting a good song on hey oh man red hot chili peppers yeah that's uh (laughs) That's a that's a good one. That one's grinding my gears, and uh, <laughs> those are yeah. I, I think um, those those like you know kids sort of soundtracks. Um, a lot of parents would probably empathise with having to listen <laughs> to the one particular one over and over and over and over again. And you, you, it must come to the point where you start to love it, right? Or is it just never get to that point? I think you love it on about the fifth listen, and then between number five and two hundred and fifty, it's a grind. But uh, <laughs> If, if it makes them happy and it's part of their little routine, then any parent would play it uh, all day, every day. That's exactly right. Um, and so, you know, to finish off the podcast, I love getting, a, you know, a big question that I think you're um, probably very uh, adapt to answer. And that question is, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to train for a marathon or for, you know, a long distance run? Um, how would you, and, and, you know, maybe what's your number one tip on staying injury free? Number one tip, if I could only pick one thing would be to build gradually. And it's a cliche. I know we've touched on it already, but I can't overstate the importance of that. Just build gradually. And if I could add a little side add on there, it would be, don't look sideways, (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about the runner next to you. And it's a great analogy for life, isn't it? Don't worry about what they're doing, what they're not doing. Just look in your lane, stay in your lane, build gradually and, and enjoy the process. 
Yeah, I love that analogy. It's something that applies to pretty much anything in life, um, whether you're building a business or whether you're you know building a podcast or going out there and training for a marathon. It's something that uh, you know keep your goal in sight and don't compare your level three to someone else's level 10 because you've no idea what what they've done to get there um so so thanks so much for coming on the podcast brad i really appreciate you taking the time out and um you know coming on and and informing some of those listeners who may have previously hated running that that you know that they can now get back into running and and do it injury free and i i really think that um running is a fantastic sport uh, and and it as you were saying and you were touching on a little bit is that it is a great escape for anyone who is looking to get that meditation that they need or you know just to be out of the house and I always have this analogy where you need three things in life you need work you need your relationships and then you need something else and for a lot of people that can be running or it can be cycling or swimming or triathlons or whatever it is um, but yeah I think I think it's really important to be able to go out there and and uh, and do it injury free so so again thanks so much for coming on the podcast and I'm sure we'll um, be talking very soon. Aaron, thanks for the invitation and uh, keep up uh, as a fellow podcaster the great work with the, the Fat for Weight Loss show. It's, uh, it's a credit to you. Thank you very much. Actually, I forgot to ask and I'll probably put this in a little bit further. <laughs> um, where can people get in contact with you? Where can people maybe book a consultation? Where can people get your book? Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what's the best avenue for that? Yeah, there's... If you... Easy to find uh, at Brad underscore beer on all social media handles. Uh, so that's that's easy to find. And then Pogo Physio, if you're looking for the physiotherapy-specific services, there's You Can Run Pain-Free, Aaron, is uh, available on all platforms, uh, Amazon, etc. cetera, uh, and that's now in its second revised edition. So it's also on Audible. So, um, yeah, pretty easy to find. That's fantastic. And also... Go and subscribe to Brad's podcast, um, The Physical Performance Show. If you are listening to this podcast right now, do me a big favor, pause it, go ahead, type in The Physical Performance Show into your podcast app, go ahead and subscribe, and you can listen to a whole bunch of really uh, fantastic people talk about all of those things that are sometimes hidden behind um, those those closed doors. So uh, again, you know, thank, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.